Welcome to the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. A podcast where an oldish man talks at a measured volume about music. And now, your host, Roger Strip. Hello, and welcome to the Christmas episode of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. I'm Roger Stroop. I hope you're having a lovely holiday season. Uh, I'm doing pretty well uh, this holiday season. Uh, Doing reasonably healthy. This is my fifth Christmas with my lovely wife, Linda. And apparently, thanks in particular to Spotify, at least so far, there's actually people who don't know me listening to my podcast, which is kind of blows my mind a little, but whether you know me or not, I'd like to thank you all very much for listening, and I hope that this episode is entertaining enough to keep you listening. So for the Christmas show, what I've decided to do is look at some holiday songs that fall into that broad, ever-evolving category known as pop music. Some of them are better known than others, some of them were actual big chart hits, some of them weren't, but they're all Christmas songs that I really like, and I, and and they're songs that I'll go out of my way to hear, if I, even if I haven't heard them in like malls or one of those radio stations that seems to start playing all Christmas music from practically the moment the last trick-or-treater is off the streets. And I'm going to talk about these songs, going to share with you some facts about them, and I'm going to try and convey a little why I like them. Before we get to the songs I'm going to spotlight, I'm just going to, going to rhyme off some of the other Christmas music I like. I really like the Phil Spector Christmas album, the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. I like a lot of Motown Christmas stuff, like the Jackson 5's version of Up on the Housetop, or another one would be Someday at Christmas by Stevie Wonder. Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses. That's a a really good one. Uh, I have a soft spot for Step Into Christmas by Elton John. Merry Xmas War is Over by John and Yoko. Mary's Boy Child, especially the Boney M version, though Harry Belafonte, I think he had one of the first recordings. That's really good, too. And I think my favorite Christmas song is probably You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. And I'll listen to any version of that song, but for my favorite, it's definitely by a long shot. Uh, the original version by Thurl Ravenscroft. And not just because he has probably one of the coolest names ever. I mean, he just has he just has that voice. I mean, it's the same voice he, he, he's, he's also the voice of Tony the Tiger. So, you know, that's just an amazing voice. And like I said, I'll listen to other versions of that song, but... None of them can touch the Thurl Ravenscroft version with a 39 and a half foot pole. The first song I'm going to talk about is one I'm sure most people know. It came out in 1967 and it's gotten lots of airplay every December since. It's Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsmen. This Florida group was originally called the Posemen. But they changed their name to one that made people think of England after the Beatles and the British invasion. Their big break came in early in 1967 when they hit number two 
with Snoopy versus the Red Baron, a song inspired by Charles Schultz's comic strip Beagle and his fantasies of being a World War I pilot fighting battles with the infamous German flyer Baron von Richthofen. Unfortunately, the band hadn't gotten permission from Schultz to use the Snoopy character, so there was a lawsuit, and the result was that Schultz and the company that, dis that distributed peanuts to newspapers received all the publishing royalties from the song. However, Charles Schultz agreed to allow the Royal Guardsmen to write and record more Snoopy songs, and even to draw album covers for them in exchange for a percentage of the royalties. So the group took him up on, on that offer, and they soon recorded The Return of the Red Baron, which hit number 15. Then at the end of the year, they released this holiday-themed spin on the story. The song begins with a few bars of O Tannenbaum. Then we get into the story. It's Christmas Eve, and the Allied Command learns that the Red Baron is flying again, so they send Snoopy out into the freezing night to battle his nemesis once more. The two find each other and begin to battle, but ice begins to form on the wings of Snoopy's Sopwith camel, and it looks like our hero is going to be shot down. Here's what happens next. The Baron had Snoopy dead in his sights. He reached for the trigger to pull it up tight. Why he didn't shoot? Well, we'll never know. Or was it the bells from the village below? Christmas bells. Those Christmas bells ringing through the land, bringing peace to all the world and goodwill to man. The Baron made Snoopy fly to the Rhine and forced him to land behind the enemy lines. Snoopy was certain that this was the end when the Baron cried out, Merry Christmas, my friend. The Baron then offered a holiday toast, and Snoopy, our hero, saluted his host. And then with a roar, they were both on their way, each knowing they'd meet on some other day. So instead of taking out the enemy's ace pilot, the Red Baron makes him land, and then they share a drink in celebration of the holiday, and part knowing that they will meet again under less cordial circumstances. This is based on the real-life Christmas truce of 1914, when British and German soldiers in Belgium took time off from combat to dine together, exchange gifts, and play soccer. It's a feel-good story, which combined with the good we with the goodwill people have for the Snoopy character makes it a perennial heartwarmer. Like many popular Christmas songs, Snoopy's Christmas didn't chart on Billboard due to some of their charts' arcane rules. The group would have just one more top 20 in 1968 with Baby Let's Wait, but the Royal Guardsmen would record at least one more Peanuts-related song before their initial breakup, Snoopy for President. Then they reunited in 2006 with the topical song Snoopy vs. Osama. Now I'm going to jump way ahead in time to the most recent song on my list, from 2003, Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End, by The Darkness. From Suffolk, England, The Darkness were led by the Hawkins Brothers, Justin on vocals and Dan on guitar. In 2003, they released, they, they released their debut album, Permission to Land, and its mix of pop metal and queen-like wit and bombast made them the latest of Britain's next big things. In the fall, their single, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, hit number two. 
And by the end of the year, the song was becoming a hit in America as well. In the wake of their success, the group, deci the group decided to enter the always hot race for the UK Christmas number one with this song. Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End, is the band's usual mix of hard rock and Justin Hawkins's showy falsetto, but with some fest festive touches like bells and a children's choir. The lyrics take a mixed view of the holiday, indicating that some of it we fake our way through for the sake of tact, but the song also looks at it as a fleeting season of joy that we would love to hang on to for, as, for longer than we actually can. Here's some lyrics to demonstrate what I mean. Feigning joy and surprise at the gifts we despise over mulled wine with you. On the 25th day of the 12th month, the sleigh bells are in time, ringing true. How we cling each day long to the snowflakes and hope in hell that it won't end. Don't let the bells end. Christmas time. Just let them ring in peace. Well, the weather is cruel, and the season of Yule lifts the heart, but it still hurts. You've got your career, spent the best part of last year apart, and it still hurts. So that's why I pray each and every Christmas day that it won't end. You get the picture. It's certainly not the kind of totally happy message we are used to in Christmas songs, but what do you expect from a country that gave us a fairy tale of New York? For those of you who missed it, I covered that song last episode, and that's the only reason it, it doesn't make this list. Anyway, the group also makes a subtle bid to get on Santa's naughty list by having Hawking string some of the words together to sound like bell end and ring piece, both of which have some not-so-innocent meanings in British slang. But overall, it's anthemic, irreverent, and charming. Christmas time, don't let the bells end was the betting favorite for the Christmas number one spot, but was upset by a cover of Tears for Fears' Mad World by pianist Michael Andrews and singer Gary Jules, taken from the soundtrack of the 2001 film Donnie Darko. The Darkness would have three more top ten hits, but their follow-up album, follow album did not sell as well as their debut, and they broke up in 2006, with the band members pursuing other projects. But then they were reunited in 2012, and since then they've released four more albums. Next, we're headed up to the Great White North for Bob and Doug McKenzie's version of The Twelve Days of Christmas. Bob and Doug McKenzie were characters on SCTV, a Canadian television show created by the Second City Comedy Troupe. The show was set at a small television station and featured sketches parodying, parodying TV series, news programs, and commercials. For the show's third season, the show moved to the state-owned CB Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and the network re requested that the show have two minutes a week of distinctly Canadian content. In a tongue-in-cheek response to this request, the show created a segment called The Great White North, hosted by brothers Bob and Doug McKenzie, played by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. The McKenzies wore winter coats and toques, drank beer, cooked back bacon, talked about donuts, hockey, and other stereotypical Canadian topics. The characters were a surprising hit in Canada, 
and they would cause a similar reaction in the, in the States when the show was picked up by NBC in 1981. This led to Moranis and Thomas doing a comedy album as the McKenzie Brothers, which was released in December 1981 and featured this take on A Christmas Carol, first published in England in 1780. They begin by introducing the song. Then they try to figure out just what the 12 days of Christmas are. They figure out nine of them, but, but then they decide that the remaining three are the mystery days. Then they begin the song, and instead of their true love giving them birds and gold, they receive comic books, cigarettes, beer, food, and clothing. This probably doesn't sound like much, but Thomas and Moranis sell it with their deadpan hoser speak. It might not rank up there with Stairway to Heaven, but it's still one of my per personal Christmas favorites. Bob and Doug's version of The Twelve Days of Christmas was never a single, but it's another song that's always in rotation on Christmas radio playlists. The duo did have a hit single called Take Off that reached the U.S. Top 20. Their album went gold in America and triple platinum in Canada. In mid-1982, in mid Moranis and Thomas left SCTV to, a, to do a McKenzie Brothers movie, Strange Brew, which was a modest hit. Rick Moranis would have a successful film career, starring in hits such as Ghostbusters, Little Shop of Horrors, Spaceballs, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, before going into semi-retirement after the death of his wife in 1997. Dave Thomas's career has been less successful, but he has made many film and t TV appearances, including five years on the ABC sitcom Grace Under Fire. Moranis and Thomas sort of revived the Bob and Doug characters when they did the voices of two moose in the, in the 2003 Disney cartoon Brother Bear. There was also a Canadian animated Bob and Doug series in 2009, but Rick Moranis decided to just be an executive producer, so former Full House actor Dave Coulier did the voice of Bob. We'll be back with more of the old man's Christmas favorites after this. Hello, I'm Roger Stroop, host of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. If you like listening to this, I've got good news. It's also a blog. I've been writing it for over nine years, looking back at hits from the past from the American, British, and Canadian pop music charts. Right now, I'm mainly covering British charts from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So if you can't learn enough about Cliff Richard, status quo, and singing soccer players, this is the place for you. I also do a Canadian chart recap about once a month. So if you need a Trooper or Kim Mitchell fix, I'm your man. And I'm also in the middle of a project to determine the most unique, interesting, and or just plain weird U.S. Top 40 hit of the 1980s. And to top it all off, it's the place to be to get the links to, to the latest episode of this very podcast before anywhere else. So check it out at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Why is that the URL? You'll have to go there to find out. That's the Old Man Yells at Music blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. My next selection is another British one, Father Christmas by the Kinks. From London's Muswell Hill, the Kinks were led by the Davies brothers, Ray and Dave. They formed in 1963, and a year later, they were stars on both sides of the Atlantic, 
with their pioneering hard rock hits, You Really Got Me, and All Day and All of the Night. They remained consistent hitmakers for most of the 60s, as Ray Davies' lyrics started becoming more witty and literary. In the late 60s, however, his songs started referring to class inequality in English society, and the commercial fortunes started to wane. They picked up again at the beginning of the 70s with the hits Lola and Ape Man, but then they began making dense concept albums, and the hits dried up again. At the beginning of 1977, they made another change, releasing an album that was more friendly to American rock radio. It didn't go over well at home, but it was returning them to the charts and the airwaves in the United States. At the end of 77, the band put out this, their first Christmas-themed song. Father Christmas, as I'm sure you're aware, is the British name for Santa Claus. Father Christmas the Song relates a man's experience playing St. Nick in a retail establishment. Naturally, he expects a warm reception from the local children. However, it doesn't quite turn out that way. When I was small, I believed in Santa Claus, though I knew it was my dad. And I would hang up my stocking at Christmas, open my presents, and I'd be glad. But the last time I played Father Christmas, I stood outside a department store. A gang of kids came over and mugged me and knocked my reindeer to the floor. They said, Father Christmas, give us some money. Don't mess around with those silly toys. We'll beat you up if you don't hand it over. We want your bread, so don't make us annoyed. Give all the toys to the little rich boys. Don't give my brother a Steve Austin outfit. Don't give my sister a cuddly toy. We don't want a jigsaw or Monopoly money. We only want the real McCoy. Yes, instead of encountering wide-eyed tots wishing for toy trains or Barbie dolls, he meets with cynical kids from impoverished families who just, just wish for money, jobs for their parents, and perhaps a machine gun. It's a reminder that there are children who know that luxuries aren't coming their way and are just hoping for improvement in their day-to-day -day lives. A worthwhile reminder in a season that often inspires con consumption and avarice. And it's also just a great rock song. Father Christmas didn't chart anywhere, but it lives on as one of those holiday songs that fits well on classic rock radio. They continued to build on their, their American success into the 80s, culminating in their 1983 hit, Come Dancing, which went to number 6 in North America and number 12 in Britain. They would carry on for another decade before breaking up seemingly for good in 1994. However, in 2018, it was announced that the Davies brothers and drummer Mick Avery were reuniting in the studio for new material. Nothing has come of it yet, but as of November of this year, they're still working on it. And now another one of my favorites, Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto by James Brown. James Brown is James Brown. He was born in South Carolina in 1933, began entertaining as a child, started singing seriously when he joined a gospel quartet at a juvenile detention facility when he was 16, and proceeded to become one of the most important and influential musical forces of the second half of the 20th century. In particular, his impact on the African-American community cannot be understated, and it goes well beyond his 94 top 40 R&B hits. 
His massive, his massive success made him both a spokesperson and an influencer in the black community. And perhaps there is no greater example than what happened on April 5th, 1968. The night before, Martin Luther King had been assassinated in Memphis, and there were fears of unrest and rioting in cities across America, including Boston, where James Brown was scheduled to perform at the Boston Garden. Initially, the concert was to be canceled out of fear of what would happen in a large gathering of black youth. Ultimately, it was decided that this would be counterproductive, and so instead, it was arranged for the show not only to go on as a tribute to Dr. King, but for it to be broadcast live on local television. As a result, Boston had one of the lowest rates of violence in America that night, almost certainly due to people staying home to watch the concert. It has been referred to as the night James Brown saved Boston. It was later on this year when he released the album A Soulful Christmas, which included the song Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto. In the song, Brown asks Santa to prioritize impoverished black neighborhoods to make sure that the children there have the joy of receiving gifts on Christmas. Obviously, it's a metaphorical wish, but that doesn't make words like these any less poignant. You know that I know what you will see, because once that was me. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus, oh Lord, goes straight to the ghetto. Fill every stocking you find. The kids are going to love you so. Fill every stocking the you find. You'll know that they need you so. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Never thought I'd realize I'd be a singing a song with water in my eyes. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Don't leave nothing for me. I've had my chance, you see. And of course, it's set to some swinging soul provided by his legendary backing band, including trombone player Fred Wesley, saxophonist Maceo Parker, and the funky drummer himself, Clyde Stubblefield. So you can get thoughtful, get emotional, and get down all at the same time. Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto wasn't a single, although the Soulful Christmas LP included two hits, the holiday-themed Tit for Tat Ain't No Talking Back, and one of his most famous and, and important songs, Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And James has plenty of other great Christmas songs. Let's make this Christmas mean something this year. Go power at Christmas time. Sweet little baby boy. And quite a few others. They aren't generally played on mainstream radio. But if you're ever in the mood for something different, check them out. Next, we're in the 80s, with Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Formed in Queens, New York by rappers Joseph Run Simmons and Daryl DMC McDaniels, along with their DJ, Jason Jam Master J. Mizell, Run DMC moved to the forefront of the burgeoning hip-hop genre from the moment they released their 1983 debut single, It's Like That. By 1987, they were mainstream stars, with their most recent album, Raising Hell, going triple platinum. As such, they were one of the 15 major artists who contributed to A Very Special Christmas, a holiday album whose proceeds would benefit the Special Olympics. While all of the other acts, including Madonna, Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, and U2, covered traditional carols or existing songs, Run DMC created their own song. 
Christmas in Hollis begins on Christmas Eve in Queens. Run sees a strange man in the park with what he thinks is a dog. As he comes closer, however, he realizes it's not a dog, but rather a reindeer. He also notices that the man has a beard and is carrying a large bag. Run turns his head for a second, but when he turns back, the man and the reindeer, and the reindeer have disappeared. But he sees that a wallet has been left behind, containing a million dollars in cash and a driver's license that identifies the wallet's owner as Santa Claus. After a moment, Run decides to do the right thing and mail the wallet and the money back to Santa the next day. But when he wakes up on Christmas morning, he finds a note from Santa under the tree saying that the money is Run's gift. Lucky guy. Then in the next verse, DMC takes over and he describes his family's Christmas traditions. It's Christmas time in Holland's in Hollis, Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens, rice and stuffing, macaroni and cheese, and Santa put gifts under Christmas trees. Decorate the house with the lights at night. Snow's on the ground, snow white so bright. In the fireplace is the Yule log. Beneath the mistletoe as we drink eggnog. The rhymes you hear are the rhymes of Daryl's, but each and every year we bust Christmas carols. Rhymes so loud and proud you hear it. It's Christmas time, and we got the spirit. It was another step in hip-hop establishing itself as a genre unto itself. Now it even had its own holiday standard. And it also introduced a rural Canadian kid like me to some different Christmas menu options. Rice? Macaroni? And what are colored greens? Christmas in Hollis hit number 56 in the UK, but it has joined the pantheon of perennial Christmas pop. Run DMC would put out a few more records, but their most popular and acclaimed work was largely, largely behind them. That work, however, continues to gain fans and influence, and influence artists to this day. Run DMC were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009, though sadly Jam Master Jay couldn't be there as he was the victim of a still unsolved murder seven years earlier. <laughs> The last song I'm going to talk about is probably the one out of all of these that gets me most into the holiday spirit. It's Merry Xmas, Everybody by Slade. From Wolverhampton, England, Slade were the biggest band in Britain in the early 70s, known for their infectious mix of glam and hard rock, as well as their penchant for intentionally misspelling their song titles. By the fall of 1973, five of their previous eight singles had hit number one, and none had peaked lower than number four. It was at this point that the band released this, a Christmas song they had written as a way of cheering up a nation during tough economic times. Merry Xmas, everybody, is a, is a melodic rock shuffle, featuring the endearingly raspy voice of Naughty Holder, musing about whether or not magical creatures make sure that Santa doesn't drink too much on Christmas Eve, and picturing people crashing their toboggans. And then there's this verse about hosting all of your loved ones. Are you waiting for the family to arrive? Are you sure you got the room to spare inside? Does your granny always tell you that the old songs are the best? Then she's up and rock and rolling with the rest? So here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Look to the future now. It's only just begun.
And my favorite part comes right at the end, when in the middle of repeating the chorus for a third time, Naughty just shrieks out, It's Christmas! Better than that. But that's what he kind of what he does. It's like he's representing every child ever, realizing that they've just that they've awakened on the big day. It just makes me feel Christmassy. That's the only way that's the best way I can describe it. Merry Xmas, everybody, was the nineteen seventy three Christmas number one, beating out a rival single by another glam band. I wish it could be Christmas every day by Wizard. Slade would have seven more top 20 hits over the next three years. Then the hits came further and farther between, just six between 1981 and 1991. But they did finally break through in America in 1984, when, on the heels of Quiet Riot's cover of Come On, Feel the Noise, they scored a U.S. number 13 with Run Runaway. The band is still going, but without Naughty and only half the original lineup. there's my Christmas show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, subscribe and or leave a good review where you found it. Or you can leave me feedback on the blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com or on my Facebook page or Twitter feed, both of which are, are at Mr. B. Glovehead. You can also follow along with the YouTube playlist, which I'll link to in the show notes. I'll be taking next week off for the holidays, but I'll be back in two weeks with another fun-filled episode. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is Roger Stroop saying, I know how much you love video games, so I got you Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. Try to keep the ball out of the parking lot. Merry Christmas.